Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special Black Friday edition of the Talking About podcast. I am Sean Kennedy. Joining me this week is Dave Early of Liberty Ballers. Dave, thanks for coming back on the podcast. How was your Thanksgiving holiday? Always fun, Sean. Happy holiday season. My holiday was awesome. I had a lot to be grateful for. I had a lot of fun with family, keeping an eye on some football games and um, peeling some potatoes and carrots. (laughs) <laughs> ah, good way to chip in um yeah a good good football thursday for eagles fans we got the cowboys loss and uh that's always a festive way to start the holiday season seeing seeing dallas lose um yeah, there's a little window for the eagles here yeah they just gotta they gotta keep it up and uh keep keep running the ball i guess is the key it seems like but uh we're here to talk talk hoops uh the sixers finished up a six game road trip uh just the other day they went two and four on the road trip which i do believe uh when we discussed it i i pegged that exactly as as, nice i think you did yeah yeah a little pat on the back for me um (laughs) uh we'll get into more specifics about what happened but just kind of broadly what were your takeaways from the road trip it's still maxi season and i mean that's easily the, the best positive of the season so far at any one of these games, if he had sort of hit some sophomore slump, it wouldn't have been surprising. Now it'll almost be surprising if he does, because he's been so consistent that it's awesome. Yeah, he was really carrying a, a heavy load, in, like especially offensively in these games. Like without Joel, who is expected to return Saturday, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But Tyrese just like an offensive fulcrum for this team. And I don't think we ever expected that coming into the season. I think we thought, oh, he could be like a microwave scorer type. He might be able to, you know, be be the focal point of the of a second unit kind of thing. Like if uh, kind of like what Shake Milton was doing last year, where mm-hmm. just we don't have a lot going for us in the second unit. So just give him the ball and see if he can create some stuff. But he's doing it as a starter against against opposing starting units and like just routinely putting up like 20 a game and he, it looks kind of effortless. His true shooting percentage is through the roof. He he's had multiple games without turning the ball over at all, which is crazy for a guy that does have the ball in his hands as much as he does. I I mean, there is like, I, I, I took a look at it and I don't think it's quite realistic, but there's like serious is Tyrese Maxey an all-star this season talk in NBA circles. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, we were we were like joking about it at Liberty Ballers. Like, it's so unfair what we were hoping he is because of the Ben Simmons situation. And given the ridiculous, like, you have the baggage of our Markel Fultz draft pick on you. You have the Ben Simmons yes. situation on you. And we're turning to you now, like, yearning, yearning for this. Uh, not really, truly, realistically expecting it, but here it is. And it's it's crazy. The guy that you always wanted who could dribble and shoot, what you hoped Markel Fultz could be, this is how he's playing right now. Yeah, I, I was going to mention like the Fultz thing. He just has this 
ton of baggage on him, like from the fan base, emotional baggage that, yeah, it was full. Predates his career. <laughs> it was Simmons. Yeah. Tyrese, Tyrese Maxey was maybe a freshman in high school when, when all this baggage started. And he has <laughs> n- not only met expectations that we might've had coming into the year, like he had a good summer league. So we're thinking, Oh, well he could, yeah, sure. He could fill in as a starter for a little bit, like kind of hold the fort down until maybe a bench rate happens and then get a more veteran player in. Um, but he, he could be a really helpful kind of spark plug guy. But the fact that we're and not only Philadelphians, but like, NBA analysts are looking at it like, is there a case for a Tyrese Maxey all-star? And I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think there's too many people that have track records in the East that are, that are going to like get there. Like, Hey, you're still having a good season. You're, you're going to get the nod just because you deserve it based on your career. track yeah, record. Some life, um, lifetime achievement awards. And yeah. by this, by the time it's in uh, the Sixers record may not be as good as an all-star would need it to be yep that's yeah it's another good point that to get more than one all-star and i'm assuming that if mb is back and the illness doesn't have long-term lingering effects and he doesn't have a, another injury like he's he's the sixers all-star like to have more than one you have to be like a top four team usually um unless you just have two like apex superstars that are just carrying the team um and you don't have anything else around them but yeah, it would seem like it would be Embiid. And if they were going to get a second all-star, they, they have to have a, a top four record in the East, um, which I'll mention right now, they are 10 and nine and tied for eighth place in the East. So while, while it was nice that they were competitive in most of those games in the road trip, and uh, it was nice to see them get the two wins, a two and four record has set them back a little bit. They're now like very firmly in these the central morass of the Eastern conference um, where, where they, they were a few weeks ago, they were at the the top. So it, this has played a role in uh, dropping them down. The fact that they've dealt with injuries and half like a third of the team had COVID and, and we're very fortunate that Tobias and Matisse and Isaiah Joe have all come back from being on the protocol list and they haven't looked any worse for wear. Not, not even as far as Seth did last year where he, he didn't look like himself. The guys that have come back have been themselves. They have. They, they've looked really good, and it's it's a blessing in many ways. Another thing to be grateful for, that they're already back out there and, and playing and looking pretty good. Um, you feel for Joel because it sounds like he got a pretty bad case, a breakthrough case. Um, and, you know, it's easy to feel like this isn't fair and, and to hope that Hope that he's okay and hope that it hasn't impacted his family too much. Can't wait to see him back out there. The schedule is really hard. Even if he were to come back and not need some ramp up time, Keith Pompey mentioned that he, he is still dealing with the sore knee, which is kind of worrisome because at one point, uh, Ramona Shelburne indicated that yes, he banged it in game one of the season with Valachunas, but it is a meniscus injury. And that is what he had a slight tear in from last season. So if he comes back and we're still seeing him pop up on that injury report with the knee, it's going to be a little worrisome that, you know, is this going to be something that's just here throughout the season? Is there ever going to be a point where we start to think he's going to need surgery on this next off season? We're starting to watch that. So there are some, uh, you know, things to keep an eye on when he does return. Also the schedule is brutal at Boston, at Atlanta, at Charlotte, at Charlotte, Utah, Golden State. So 
I'm not expecting him to look 100% when he first returns. I don't think many people are. There's some scenarios where they can end up, you know, maybe four games below 500. Yeah, it is a tough part of the schedule for them, even though they are returning home. Um, they have the Wolves first. And normally you would think, oh, the Wolves, well, that's an easy one. But they've actually won five straight, and they're, they're playing really good basketball right now. Um, Towns is having a very good season. And then Anthony Edwards looks like the real deal. He's just been crushing it. Flying um, over people. Yeah. yeah. Did you, what were your thoughts on the, the dunk he had where they called a charge? Did you, did you see that play the other day? Yes. I saw it. He like, <laughs> he like pushed the guy's head down. Like you could in video games. Yeah. Um, and he kind of like, he, he kind of dunked it. He threw it in and touched the rim. So I'm not yeah, sure it was like the just, old Blake Griffin dunk. Yeah. From years Dwight back. Powers did one. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I have often had a pet peeve that they don't call those. And so many of the greatest dunks that Michael Jordan has done, he didn't need to push off. And then you see like, you know, fast forward 10, 15, 20 years. And that dunk that um, Sabonis did on Embiid, where he clearly just removed the blocking arm to get a dunk. So I, I did want to see them eventually crack down on push offs on dunks at the rim. Uh, it it was hard to watch on that one because it was such a Vince Carter style uh, hurdle. Yeah, it was it was a little like the um, the dunk contest dunks where the guys bring out like their six yeah. five teammate <laughs> to dunk over, and then they 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 get a little launching pad off, off the shoulder. Yes, while they're on their way up. Yeah, it was a little bit like that. Um, it, I mean, it, it obviously looked amazing in person, and if they hadn't called it, I would have been perfectly fine with it because hey you did something really cool like we want to encourage you to do really cool things on the basketball court but uh put there's the best play of the night for anyone in that stadium and it didn't even count right so yeah they'll they'll always remember that one they won't remember that the wolves won that game or that it was actually what they they might remember that was a charge because that'll just be part of the story when they're telling it but yeah yeah that that was the memorable moment but yeah so the sixers are going to have to deal with uh and Edwards trying to dunk over uh, Seth Curry or someone else. And um, yeah, Towns playing really well. So this will be, if Embiid is indeed back, another chapter in the Embiid cat saga. And I'm sure you recall Embiid's social media post uh, where he was raising the cat back when Embiid was in full troll mode. Yes. <laughs> so yes. yeah we'll see if we have an, another another chapter in that hopefully mb uh a, as you mentioned like it's it's disappointing that he isn't fully healthy in, uh, in other areas you would have hoped that could have been a silver lining from the, him having this uh 10 to 14 day layoff from covid that it, it could have been a nice little mini break for his joints and everything else but yeah just the fact that the knee isn't 100 percent is fairly concerning um yeah just game one and he, he is reportedly when he suffered this this injury and like when when are we going to have a healthy Joel Embiid season um sadly the answer may be never uh mm. but I, I was I was hoping game one would not have been <laughs> the health turning point for Joel this season but yeah maybe he'll play through it you, you'd you'd have to worry about a guy his size who who wasn't able to train while he was out? Um, not not only because of an injury, but because he wasn't allowed to be around other people. So I'm sure his conditioning can't be like where he would want it to be. Um, oh no! 
So yeah, like not going to be a full complement of minutes, I would imagine. And against Carl Anthony Towns, who is playing very well right now, that's that's going to be difficult for the Sixers. Yeah, yeah. We're, this is turning into a very gloomy Black Friday <laughs> pod. We uh, all, all our hot takes and doom and gloom are seventy percent off. So that's that's <laughs> the the good news. <laughs> Order now for your Liberty Ballers attire. Yes. Um, I think that a lot of the teams that you were keeping an eye on hoping for disaster are, are looking pretty good. Like you might've been watching the bulls as Zach Levine decides about his long-term future. He's headed for unrestricted free agency, Bradley Beal and the wizards towns is another one that the Sixers may not have had their eyes on, but they've had the most consistent interest in Ben Simmons. So they represented a really good third team fit. And if yeah. somehow Towns said, I want out of here, that makes it even easier because you could see a lot of teams wanting him obviously um so things not going completely the sixers way or, from- or if they just weren't playing well they they may just think like hey we need to we need a big shakeup right and, yeah but they suddenly and and for a while they didn't like i think jonathan charks of the ringer had a pod where he was like tyloo ran a scheme on the t wolves and they haven't won a game since now everyone's doing it and then they went the other way so maybe they figured it out they figured out Ty Lue's scheme. <laughs> Way to go. Or, may, or maybe, yeah, maybe people were beating the Timberwolves because, you, like, generally speaking, you should beat the Timberwolves, but now their young talent is kind of clicking. And, yeah, good for them that they're winning some games. Stacking um, top five picks works. <laughs> eventually, you would think it has to, um, as long as you draft guys who can shoot, which is hit or miss for some, for some teams. Um, yeah, but af- after the T-Wolves... You're right. It, they do have the magic on Monday at home, so you, you would like to think that's a win. But yeah, then then back on the road, they have Boston, Atlanta, and then a couple games against the Hornets, who have been playing extremely well this season for for a young sc- squad that seems to be clicking together. They're they're twelve and eight right now, and then Jazz back Warriors back with, the, with the Jazz. That's tough. yeah, yeah. Jazz Warriors, Grizzlies, Heat, Brooklyn. Like that's Oof. a really tough two weeks of December to get get started what's um, the vibes going to be like with the fans are they going to be saying joel Embiid's prime you need to trade for buddy heels <laughs> i don't know i think if if joel's back and playing like himself and tyrese maxi is continuing to do what he do is has been doing um i feel like the vibes will be fine they, they, they may not be winning every game but as long as they're you know still a game or two above 500 and you have this guy playing maybe not MVP level like he was last season, but, you know, all-star level. And you have this rising star that you can kind of point to the future regarding in Tyrese. Um, yeah, with, with all the other young guys that have been been, been playing well, uh, I, I feel like that's enough for the vibes department. Tyrese Maxey might be able to carry us in vibes. He, uh, <laughs> Carries Sean... us in a lot of other ways. Yeah, <laughs> Sean Sean Hyken, Bleacher Report just did his twenty four players under twenty four years old ranking, and I mean he had Maxi crazy high. He had him over SGA. He had uh, him over Jaron Jackson, Trey Young, Kevin Herter, Therese Halliburton, Aiton Garland. I mean, so he had him like sky high, and he. You know, he might not make an all-star this season, but a lot some people are projecting him to be like a star in this league moving forward. To be fair, that risk that list was really ridiculous. 
<laughs> he is. had he had like Tyler Hero above Jason Tatum, just like true truly absurd rankings in some instances. Um, I'm I'm glad people outside Philadelphia are also like on the maxi train, and it, it's definitely good that he's getting a lot of shine and people are thinking highly of him. But uh, yeah, that well, it, just looking through that list, like SGA was way too low. Like there there yeah, was some really really questionable picks so correct I, I i don't feel like that should be the the uh tyrese maxi has made it banner we ha- we hang based on his ranking there but uh it is good that that people are loving how well he's been playing and, and giving him the the rightful accolades that he deserves um yeah, right, his we're... finishing has been has been fun, and the, the road broadcasts have been enjoying. I, I listen to them to see what they think of him, and they're like, "This guy is fast, man! You got to get in front of him." Yeah, his his game is is one that really just jumps off the screen at you because mm-hmm. he is one of the fastest guys in the league. He's he does it with the ball in his hands, so it's not a guy where if you're like a lot of a lot of I don't want to say casuals, but you know, just people that don't watch they don't grind film they typically are only watching the ball so maxi's work is done with the ball in his hands he's not like a a seth curry where you can appreciate like oh wow he just ran around three different screens or whatever um or or like old school ray allen or jj reddick that were doing a lot of off ball stuff that you know yeah you appreciated when the threes went in but you didn't maybe really appreciate all the the work that went in before he actually received a pass um, mm, yeah. Max, yeah, Maxi is a guy that he, he's doing it with the ball in his hands. He's incredibly quick, which is just something that anyone can appreciate. It's just something you, you can visibly see very easily. And he, he makes it in a lot of, uh, he makes a lot of difficult shots look really easy. Like he, he has the floater, which is in a very advanced play and, and just looks pretty when it works. Cause it's like, oh, there's this beautiful teardrop that dropped from the heavens and fell through perfectly. <laughs> he, he does the scoop shots and, you know, kind of contorts his body for weird angles while he's running it near full speed towards the rim. Like all those things just, they really just pop off the screen. And um, it's, it's an easy game to kind of see and appreciate because what he's doing is very, it's very visible like what he's doing with the ball in his hands. Yeah. He's really gotten those, you know, shooting with his right hand, no gather jumping off his right foot. So you, you often see a shot blocker crouch down ready to spring up, but then he's released it before the timing. So he's really throwing off the timing of these shot blockers with all of the different types of finishes that he's, uh, I wouldn't say mastered yet, but you know, comfortable using, um, and so, yeah, it's, it's taken us to a level, taken them to a level that probably wouldn't have expected at this point. Even our shout out Harrison Grimm, who liked Malcolm Brogdon in a potential Ben Simmons deal. He's now like, you know what? I get it. Maxie's that good. We could, we could look for wings now too. So we have more options in potential Ben Simmons trades. So that's how, you know, Maxie is balling when we're <laughs> Sixers fans. Are like, maybe we don't need a guard anymore. Yeah, that's, and that's something I've consistently asked, uh, guests and folks at the site is has Maxi's play changed your opinion of what a Ben Simmons return should be focused on. And as, as I've maintained, like, obviously you take the best deal, whatever it is, if, if, 
if you finally get what you think is 80 cents on the dollar and it happens to be a guard, then you, then you do it and you make, you make it work. Um, but yeah, you, you can maybe think like, Oh, well I have two competing offers of, you know, I guess fairly similar baseline value. One's a guard, which previously we would have said, Oh, we absolutely need a guard. Like that has to be our focus. And one's a wing. Like maybe you can just go with the wing now and, you know, and that, that, that is fine. Uh, whereas before that seemed like such a black hole when we came into the season, it was like, Oh, we have, we have Maxi who people don't think is maybe really a point guard. And we think he's has a bright future, but maybe it's as more of a combo guard microwave scorer. And he's definitely not ready to be the PG one on a contender. And, and then behind him, we have shake Milton who a lot of the same concerns about like combo guard status and what, and that might be putting too much on him to be the backup point guard for a team. Um, but yeah, now that, that kind of, at least that one area of the team, there's a lot less trepidation than there was coming into the season. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, aside from the, the pie in the sky offers like Bradley Beal, Zach Levine and Damian Lillard, a lot of us were wondering who's like the worst guy if we had to make a trade right now. I think I put De'Aaron Fox before the season started or even earlier in the summer. Um, but now I, I would switch that and be like, you know, he's doing a heck of a De'Aaron Fox impersonation. Um, kind of what people thought De'Aaron Fox should be more than yeah, anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just really been playing well and doing it, scoring efficiently and taking care of the basketball. Just aside from making like next level playmaking reads to his teammates like that's not there yet he's definitely not a true point guard in the sense that he can make those advanced advanced reads off the dribble and set up his teammates um but everything else has been exactly what you would hope it would be yeah i think i think jackson frank had a tweet after one of the last game he was like him being able to make these pocket passes and he's had he has had some pick and roll plays where he's he's thrown the bounce pass with one hand to uh to a cutter or to a roll man for a dime he's done it in transition a few times uh and it, it definitely you know I'm, i don't want to get carried away but he definitely reminds me of tony parker and steve nash and rajon rondo when he makes some of these plays which is definitely high praise and you're right he, yep. he, he um i was saying he doesn't have that yet but he has shown flashes and flashes. there have been signs that he could have it in the future which is all very encouraging and he he's definitely has worked hard to develop his game in that area so he should should get the proper accolades and I, I don't mean to not heap the, the the necessary praise on him for that I'm just the reality is he's that he's still not there there yet in that one area of his game but you know it's he's like uh, Aaron Rodgers he's got you know he throws a lot of touchdowns and very, very few picks. And you mentioned he's doing that with the turnovers. His, his turnovers are extremely low. If he was going to develop in the, as a playmaker role, you'd expect him to take some more risks, throw some more turnovers and develop that side of his game. But there would be some growing pains there for sure. Yep. All right. So we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor and we'll be right back. All right. So we're back. Dave, uh, you mentioned a little earlier that there were some other teams that had kind of exceeded expectations and kind of you might be a little worried as a Sixers fan now that they're down at eighth place in the East um, given, which is, you know, perfectly reasonable given the injuries and COVID concerns they've had. So 
no one, no one's saying that they're disappointed by the team's performance, you know, with all those things in mind. But I just wanted to ask you, as far as the other teams go, who's who has most surprised or impressed you through this first, you know, quarter of the season? Uh, in the East specifically? Yeah, in the East. I would, like, no one really. Um, I think most teams that I would have considered the Sixers top threats in the East have looked worse than I would have guessed. I mean, obviously I didn't expect the Kyrie Irving ineligible to play all season thing. I might have expected the Brooklyn Nets to struggle a little bit more than they have. They do look darn good. They're 14 and five in first place. But when I watch them, I don't think this team is unbeatable by any stretch because James Harden hasn't looked like James Harden yet. I mean, he has hit some games where he does, but he's definitely a step slower than, where he was before the original hamstring last March. Um, the Heat look really, really good. And, you know, we, we joke about Tyler Hero, but, man, he's, he's like, outplaying Damian Lillard, or he's, like, on that similar shooting pace so far this year. So the emergence of him on top of the stars that we know they have makes them, you know, one of the top threats in the East for sure. Really well-rounded team, and all of their annoying Heat culture narratives come <laughs> with them. They play hard. Yeah. Now, Hero has been close. great, and yep. you know, I said that earlier. Like, oh, you have Hero above Tatum. Be- not, not to say that Hero hasn't been playing really well, and that people should be high on his future. But it, like, Hero does not have a block this season. I think, like, it's there. There's just he doesn't do much besides scoring the basketball for you. Like, he doesn't get like in comparison to Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum is a very good defender. He's got size, so you can match him across multiple positions. He gives you a lot in the rebounding department. He does a lot of playmaking for you. Um, Yeah, and then maybe Hero's scoring slightly better than Tatum is this season. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me uh, as far as efficiency and everything else, but yeah, like it's, it's obvious that Tatum does a lot more for a basketball team than Tyler Hero does. It's like Kira's at this point in his career, at least, is kind of a kind of one note, and he's he's scoring the basketball and doing a great job of it, and he's having a great season. He deserves credit for that. But I, that <laughs> just looking at those two players specifically was one that jumped out at me at the list. But yeah, you're right. Hero Hero is playing really well, and that's that's been a big part of the Heat. Um, you know, getting off to this great twelve and seven start this season. Yeah, and on a team with Jimmy Butler, Bam Lowry and some well-rounded other pieces, they don't need him to be Jason Tatum to be lethal. Uh, If he's playing like CJ McCollum or even on that level, that's a huge addition for them that we might not have expected because he just wasn't that good last year. Um, He was really, really good in the bubble and he had a down year. I don't know if it was a slump or what. Um, I saw some rumors that he was in a relationship that wasn't smooth or something. So who knows, but He's a young guy. There's going to be some inconsistencies, but he's shooting really well. So that has the heat looking a little bit better than I would have said before I expected to see him look so good. I didn't even take him in our top 100 Liberty Ballers draft. I took like Caruso and Melton over him, and I'm kicking myself for that because I took him last year. Um, well, so Caruso, the- Caruso was a good pick. Caruso has been uh, playing very well. He's His defensive work has been a big reason for Chicago's success. And Yeah, you know, Chicago de- de- is the team where you're like, wow, I didn't expect him to be so good so early. And Caruso's part of that for sure. Yeah, he is. And DeRozan, um, JJ Redick on a recent media appearance said like he, DeRozan has to be in 
the top five MVP conversation. So not not that Ooh. saying he should be in the MVP conversation, but when you're making your list of top five, like is DeRozan fifth on the MVP ballots? You said that has to be like a legitimate conversation, which I don't I don't really dis- disagree with. Like DeRozan's been incredibly efficient and he's been him and Levine both have been carrying the offensive load. Vucevic um, has been out due to COVID and he just returned, but he wasn't playing at his all-star level even prior to that. So it's really been the two wings that have been, you know, kind of doing the bulk of the scoring and playmaking for Chicago and they're playing really well. And if you have a guy that's playing as well as DeRozan has for a team that is tied for second in a conference, like, yeah, you you probably should maybe consider him like up, up in that MVP, not, not again, not to say he should be talked about as could he win MVP, but should he be, is he the seventh person on the MVP odd? And you have to like ask if he's fifth. Like, I think that that's fair enough point to make. Yeah. If the season were to end today, he'd be very high on that list. And it would be like, wow, it it does appear that they've got like 1.5 franchise players between Tatum. I mean, between Levine and, DeRozan. Um, and that's what you need to win a playoff series. You need at least one of those guys and they've got maybe two on some given nights. I know Levine's thumb hasn't been quite right. Yeah. And, and that, that's going to be might... an issue all year. So that that's definitely because he's, it seems like he's going to play through it and it, it would have to be surgery if you wanted to get it hundred percent. So yeah, I had um, Jason Pat of bloggable on and he said, yeah, like the, the plan seems to be like, he's just going to deal with it all year and fingers crossed. Yeah, good, good pun. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm not completely sold on the Bulls for whatever reason. Um, they, they could be better than the Sixers, and they could beat the Sixers in the first round of playoffs. So I'm not uh, overlooking them. But in terms of the top threats in the East, they're not in my top four at this point. Like I still believe in the Hawks, who are just 10 and 9 in ninth place. But, but um, they've won six straight, so maybe they're finally figuring some stuff out after a really bad start to the season. Yeah, they might have, like, they need to get back to the level they were at, and the level they were at did not include guys like DeAndre Hunter, who was hurt, Cam Reddish, who wasn't a huge part of the game plan. Okongwu was, but he was still way behind Capella in terms of minutes. Um, But they've got so many guys that are, like, 24 or less uh, that you got to look at them and say, could this team just be, like, could they just, like, blitz people, or could they consolidate two or three of those? with Danilo and bring someone really good. And then you have to worry about them even more. So um, definitely look at the Hawks as a top threat in the East, despite the record. Yeah. That was when I had Glenn Willis on the pod who covers the Hawks. That was kind of the, the big question in Hawks land is, do you continue to stay the course with, Hey, we've got, got these young guys, the vibes are all good. They're gelling, they're, they're growing together. Or do you make the consolidation trade? Um, and you, you have a couple salaries that like, like Gallinari that can be useful for, you know, getting a, a big star back who, who has a big contract and they obviously have all the young pieces. They have their own picks still available. Uh, so you can, you can put forth a pretty, competitive package as far as uh being a trade partner for somebody for a disgruntled star um or mm-hmm. or a team just looking to pivot in a different direction um so that the, everyone there is kind of on the fence and if I, I was 
If I was a dude with sign, I would say, let's start using disgruntled when we don't mean basketball stars who want to trade. Like we got to start using this word in a few other instances because that's the only time I ever hear it. <laughs> <laughs> it's only it's only when basketball guys aren't happy with the team they're on. You, that's you've never... the only time I hear the word disgruntled. Have you ever said it like normal <laughs> in life? Uh, I think I have, but okay. I I, I kind of use weird words because I just I just like language. So. You're a writer, so yeah, makes sense. I don't I don't think I'm the typical person as far as what words get thrown out there. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. And I think they would, they would benefit more from that consolidation trade. Like, I mean, if they could get Bradley Beal or something that would make them favorites to, to win the East potentially. So uh, in the off season. So I think they would love to do that. If not though, you have two ways it could go. You could end up looking like a light version of the warriors who had all that talent and it worked out, or you could look like the Celtics. And now you just have all these guys who once used to represent the biggest war chest trade package possible. Now it's just, you know, Romeo Langford and, and a few other names, a couple Williams. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to pass up on a, that, that final star because you won't trade Terry Rozier is <laughs> that's not, not the path you want to go down. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, Travis Schlenk going to the front office in Atlanta, that there was always kind of the golden state model. And that's why they took Trey Young instead of Luca because he said elite, like just that elite, elite top, top shooting was the the roster build they they wanted to have. So yeah, we'll see if it pays off. Um, they're certainly an interesting team, and they've had playoff success as Sixers fans know all too well. And cool. yeah, they, as I said, they've won six in a row, so they they are charging back up the standings after a really rough start. Um, yeah, they got the best home record in the East, which is normally something the Sixers have. Yeah, tough, tough start to the the home season for the Sixers this year. They're only four and four, which is definitely mm-hmm. definitely unusual. But yeah, there have been extenuating circumstances to be sure, with you know Joel missing this extended time and the sixteen one run by the Nets hurt. Yeah, that was this Aldrich game. Yeah, that was a game that definitely slipped through their fingers. Um, you, you mentioned how the Nets haven't looked quite how they might have hoped. Um, I just want to give a nod to Kevin Durant, who is coming off like an Achilles injury and looks better than he did before the injury. Is that fair to say? Or I don't know if it's fair <laughs> to say, but that it's even a conversation is insane. It's yeah, it, because that used to be like a career ender and he looks like the best player on the planet again. And he's, if he's not playing better than he was previously, it's probably just more a natural thing like his age. And uh, he's maybe not expending as much energy defensively as he used to, just because at a certain point in your career, you, you can't really do that. Uh, you kind of, you kind of keep it in reserve for the, at least the postseason. That's, that's what LeBron like late career LeBron started doing. Um, but yeah, just incredibly impressive. Just, well. just all <laughs> You know, I have to watch all of their games to cover them. All of his shots go in and it feels that way. And I know it's not accurate, but it just feels like all of his shots go in. And you could say the same about Patty Mills and Marcus Aldridge. Those three guys have been so impossibly hot to start the year that it's, it's just nuts. Yeah. The, the Mills signing was definitely one of the more impactful signings that weren't talked about a lot. Um, he, he signed that 
what was it like six million dollar a year deal yeah, not even not even six annual um, yeah it's just but everyone's just kind of like oh well there's an there's another great depth signing for brooklyn and i'm sure I, I don't know if it was just a case like he wanted to go to a contender so he was willing to sign below market but i i feel like a lot of other teams would have been happy to up the ante on on mills with that deal and he's definitely been uh performing like a guy who deserved more money than that he's he's, he's been got- hitting He's got 33 threes in his last six games. I mean, he's got to be shooting like 60% on those. <laughs> yeah, he. I, I don't have uh, – I can pull them up. But, yeah, he's definitely been – 9 of 12, 7 of 10. It's a ridiculous shooting. Yeah, he's definitely been – <laughs> Yeah, maybe he's one of those guys that because he's a, he plays a lot of international, he's not like totally – sink in with the spalding like some of the guys were and so he's like oh i play with a lot of different balls he's shooting 50 percent on the season from three which is he's shooting Look six out, a game. He, yeah that's that's utterly ridiculous like great great shooting stretch for patty mills um yeah and aldridge is the other guy that uh he, he obviously had the health concerns and had retired so him coming back was just this added surprise for brooklyn i, I can't think that was something they were really counting on um but yeah good for him that he's He's been able to, he got cleared to, to return to the game and he's performing very well in, in his role for them. Um, you, obviously you, you just, you just hope that that continues and that, uh, you never, you never want to see a guy have health problems that take him away from the game. Like Chris Brosh was one of the more, uh, de- oh, depressing yeah, episodes of NBA fandom that this guy who was still playing incredibly well and had a lot of good years left, had to step away from the game. Alder is a guy that. Um, you know, probably later in his career than Bosch was when he had to step away, but you still, he, he's still showing that he has a lot to give to an NBA team. Um, and yeah, he, he's been playing really well. Uh, if, if the Nets ever get even 90% of what James Harden in our minds is, I, I think they're still, you know, the team they're beat, even if Kyrie isn't available to them. Yeah. All right, so and then they've got that chance that they either return Kyrie or trade Kyrie, which could make them much scarier than they've been. So you cover Brooklyn. Do you think do you think a trade is possible? I, I would feel like that's just completely off the table right now. Like who would want Kyrie? Uh I guess I, I guess a team say... where the, the vac didn't because do, I guess the vaccine wouldn't be as a, a, much of a concern in a city where that there wasn't the, the city mandate. Uh, like like there is in New York City, but didn't he say he might re- he would just retire if he got traded somewhere? There was that rumor. Um, I think he actually took some steps to to dispel that rumor. Like he tweeted, like the guy who said it was a puppet. I forget was that Chris um, on Fox. I forget. I don't. I think he wanted, and he did say on his Instagram um, little speech about the whole thing. Don't think I'm going to let them take the game that I love away. Don't think I'm going to retire over this mandate or trade or whatever. So I think he's done. He's done more to indicate he wouldn't retire. And I, I just don't know that it's any one trade is likely, but you, you never want to say never because there's always going to be five GMs willing to take a risk and go all in. Hey, we didn't expect to be here. Can you imagine if Kyrie Irving joined this team with who's already fourth in the conference? Um, and then the other way to look at it is um, then those five teams who just have nothing going for them that might want to make the playoffs. And maybe he gives them a little bit of a hint that he would re-sign their long-term. And they're saying, hey, look, this is our one chance to get a franchise player or a second. 
Yeah. Oh, uh, wow. So I, I had kind of just written that off as a possibility, but maybe that is not as much the case as I believed. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's, if, if that's the case, I, there'd be any number of teams that would be willing to take the chance given the the talent upside and what he could bring to you, a team on the court. Yeah, like uh, it seemed like maybe Dallas would at least have some motivation to talk to him about it, you know, behind closed doors. Would you play for us? Okay, because we have some pieces that your team could use that might fit something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I guess Durant would have to sign off on anything like that, right? Because it seems like he has some say in in what happens with Kyrie, given their their relationship and everything else. He would, but you know, they assembled as a as a brass as a leadership unit, and he was uh, reportedly part of that, and he. And they came away and decided ultimately we don't even want you around for practices or road games. So, and then Durant a few get, days later said, "Kyrie and I haven't spoken." So you wonder, you know, James Harden has never won a ring. Steve Nash as a player has never won a ring. Durant would love to win a ring away from Golden State. Uh, these guys really, really, really want a championship. And I think that if you read between the lines all season, what they've said, stuff like. Hey, we love the sacrifice Lamarcus Aldridge has made for us. It sometimes feels like they're talking to him. Um, so I think they would they would sign off on a trade if they. I mean, maybe maybe they wouldn't be excited to bring back someone like Westbrook, who might be on the table. But uh, some people have talked about that because you'd be getting all the Thunder guys together yeah, again. Just assemble the two thousand. Six Oklahoma City Thunder. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Or Sonics. <laughs> yeah. All right. So interesting food for thought there. Um, another team that is desperate for a championship is Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, hopefully they get everybody back healthy so we can start talking about that more as a realistic possibility. Um, but for now, 10 and 9 in the East. Um, Joel Embiid expected to return for Saturday's game. So Fingers crossed he looks like his old self. Until then, uh, we'll talk to everybody next week. Dave, thank you for coming back on the pod. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, and just in time, too, because the fans on Twitter were getting a little frustrated with Andre Drummond last game. (laughs) Yeah, uh, that can be something we talk about next week. Uh, Doc seems a little more willing to go small ball this year than past years so that can be that's definitely a, a potential topic of conversation but and you somewhere can... ben simmons is like oh now you want it <laughs> <laughs> yes uh i don't i don't think he's been noticing i think he's too busy playing call of duty to be honest hey could be right yeah so all right you can find dave at david early on twitter and of course he has all his great work for us at libertyballers.com um yeah, check out the site for where all our, all our great writing staff has been putting some good stuff forward. Um, and I'll talk to you next week on Talking About Podcast. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Take care.